Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. I want to start out with talking about, you know, what Bill Barr is up to testifying before Congress. This was the Appropriations Committee. And I have to say, I thought some of the questioning was pretty damn lightweight. I mean, basically, people were asking him questions, and he was simply saying, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and a couple of the Democrats were like, oh, okay, let me change the subject then. I mean, it's really pretty breathtaking. And three times he was asked, did you share this letter, this cover-up letter, this four-page so-called summary of the Mueller report? Did you share this with the White House before it went to Congress? And the first time he was like, no. And the second time, I didn't talk to anybody. And then the third time he was asked, well, yeah, I did read it to the president's lawyer. In other words, yes, <laughs> he, shared it, he shared it with the White House. And then uh, Representative Brenda Lawrence asked him with regard to Obamacare, you know, just this very simple, straightforward question. You know, you're trying to take down Obamacare. Obamacare is providing health care to millions of Americans. You know, 12 million Americans will lose it immediately because of the Medicaid expansion being blown up. And then millions more, you know, about half of Americans have a pre-existing condition. They're going to be SOL. They're going to be in big trouble. So, uh, you know, are you doing this on behalf of the American people? What's the public interest that you're defending? And he basically said, I don't care about the American people. Not my job. His exact quote was that uh, whatever the administration's policy at that point is, we'll carry it out. Right? In other words, I'm just here to do what Trump tells me to do. I'm just a toady. So now, as the bar cover-up continues, and you will recall, I warned you about this before his hearings before the Senate, his confirmation hearings, that this guy back in 1992 covered up the crimes of Iraq Gate, the selling of weapons of mass destruction to Saddam Hussein by George Herbert Walker Bush, which was illegal, and was, by the way, used as part of the justification for the war, the illegal war in 2003 against Iraq by his son. Bill Barr covered up Iraqgate, and Bill Barr covered up Iran-Contra by pardoning Elliot Abrams, who is now running our Venezuela policy, Ali North, who's now running the National Rifle Association, Casper Weinberger, who's now dead, and a couple of other people. I mean, this is cover-up general, right, which is what William Sapphire called him back in 1992 in the New York Times. He called him cover-up general Barr. 
Well, he's continuing to do his evil work, his cover-up work. And meanwhile, we now have a lawless president and a lawless Republican Party. I mean, it looks to me like the coup has, is complete on the Republican side. The takeover of the Republican Party by basically organized crime by a man who has spent his life as a grifter and a criminal, a man who pleaded guilty to committing fraud against, against thousands of college students with his Trump so-called university, paid a $25 million fine after admitting, yeah, I'm a, I'm a criminal, I'm a, you know, I committed fraud. Just like Rick Scott did down in, in, down in Florida with the largest Medicare fraud in the history of that state. In fact, the largest Medicare fraud in the history of the country and now, now Trump wants to put him in charge of health care policy. Right? We've got a criminal in the White House. And people aren't willing to call him that. But that's what he is. And now he's, he's, he, he is advising other people to break the law. Donald Trump said to Border Patrol agents a couple days ago, ignore the judges. That's a crime. Right? Encouraging other people to commit crimes or to ignore the law is itself a crime. I guarantee you if Bill Clinton had done that, if, if Barack Obama had done that, they would have been impeached in a nanosecond. Here we've got a guy, you know, so is the coup complete on the Republican side? I mean, they pushed out Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, a couple of Republicans who said, hey, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to go along with this criminal in the White House. And now you've got the attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer of the United States saying, my job isn't to defend the American public or do what's best for the United States. My job is to do what Donald Trump tells me to do. That is the, apparently, I mean, you know, now he's pussy out Kristen Nielsen because he ordered her to break the law and she said, no, I'm not going to do that. Some small shred of credit for her, I suppose, is, is in order here. He wants to get rid of the head of the Secret Service, apparently because after a Chinese spy showed up at Mar-a-Lago and got in, the Secret Service said, well, you know, our job is to protect the president. It's not to protect Mar-a-Lago. Don't pin this on us. Oh, fire the director of the Secret Service. I mean, is this coup complete? Is the Republican Party completely under the sway? of out-of-control CEOs and a criminal president? He tells cops, rough up people. Remember this? This was like a, a year or two ago. Says to police officer, you know, when you're putting somebody in the car there, you know, you put your hand on, your head, on their head so that they don't get injured on the, on the car frame. Don't do that anymore. Just rough them up a little. Right? That's a crime. This is the president of the United States telling police officers to commit crimes. He's refusing to release his tax returns. He's destroying the environment. He's putting, he put an oil lobbyist in charge of the EPA. He put a coal lobbyist in charge of Interior, the, the, the part of our government that, that protects all of our public lands, many of which have coal in them. Is the coup complete? And if so, what can we do about it? He's, he's destroying our environment and our government by doing this. He's excusing Saudis and other dictators from crimes against American, American residents like uh, Jamal Khashoggi. 
I mean, it turns out that a week before Khashoggi showed up at the at the Saudi embassy in Turkey, in Anc- yeah, I believe it was in Ankara, a week before he showed up at that Saudi consulate, they hired some local guys to come in and build a high-temperature brick oven to cremate his, the remains of his body after they chopped it up with a bone saw. And then they smuggled the ashes out of the country back to Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is the reporting from the Washington Post. And Trump is like, oh, that's cool. We got no problem with that. And then Mohammed bin Salman, the guy running Saudi Arabia right now, arrests a bunch of women who had been lobbying for the right to drive in Saudi Arabia. I mean, they're not even lobbying for the right to show their legs. They're just lobbying for the right to drive. And he arrests them. And then he goes out and arrests 14 of their supporters, two of whom are U.S. citizens. There are U.S. citizens right now sitting in Saudi jails in all probability being tortured. And Donald Trump is like, that's fine with me. What happened to the outrage? He was negotiating a Trump hotel in Moscow while he was running for the presidency. And the Russians, among others, were helping him get elected. And Bill Barr doesn't think that we should see the report on this. Oh, no, no. It's, uh, we, we've got to make sure that third parties who are not indicted, the people who are not the direct subjects of indictment, are protected from embarrassment, says Bill Barr. And who would that be? Well, anybody who's not indicted. Well, what about the president? Well, our policy is not to indict the president. So he'll, he'll be one of those people who we have to be sure his reputation isn't hurt. So we've got to redact as much as possible about Trump from this report. Do you get this? Do you get where this is going? I mean, this is how crazy and sick and twisted it has become now that the Republican Party has been completely taken over. By, by a criminal in the White House, by a man who defi- regularly defies the law, defied the law, broke tax, all kinds of tax laws. I mean, this was laid out in the New York Times a year ago, taking money from his father's estate in ways that were illegal. I mean, it's mind boggling. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Is the takeover of the Republican Party by a criminal enterprise, by a RICO, a racketeering-influenced enterprise, complete? Lamar Waldron is on the line with us. He is the author of Legacy of Secrecy that uh, I was a co-author on, a book that contains about 100 pages of Martin Luther King's murder, the assassination in uh, Memphis of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and uh, you've heard us talk about this as well as a new law that might get some of these files released. With us is Lamar Waldron. His the most recent books, Legacy of Secrecy, The Long Shadow of the JFK Assassination. The most recent two books are Watergate, The Hidden History, as well as The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. That's only 500-some-odd pages. So unlike the 900-plus page Legacy of Secrecy, it's a, it's a relatively quick read. Right. But as we're going to talk shortly, there's a lot of new information that, that people have been digging up, uh, two researchers, authors especially, that go beyond anything you and I have ever talked about on the air before. William Barr and, and 
his roles and cover-ups and uh, attorney uh, Republican. And, and, and his cover-up roles, as we'll talk about in the next half hour, do to touch on the King assassination. Yes, absolutely. First of all, what new information do you have? How did you get it? And what are the most important King assassination files that are being still kept secret? Well, the, the new information is basically a lot of extensive corroboration and expansion for what you and I were writing about back in 2008 in Legacy of Secrecy. You know, so we put the information out there. It's in a book. We talked about it, you know, in public and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I would go on CNN and places, and we talked about it a lot on your show. And other people were like, huh, let me dig into that. Let me see what I can turn up. Mm-hmm. And, and lo and behold, of uh, two researchers in particular, Stuart Wexler and uh, Larry Hancock, who were a big help to us on the JFK side of things, uh, it came out just last year, their second book on the King murder, and they found some really incredible corroboration for what you and I turned up. The General Motors plant, where Miltier and his three associates, one of whom worked at the plant, was across the street from the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. Okay, so if you're trying to find someone to kill King, even before you reach out to Carlos Marcello, the powerful godfather of New Orleans, you might look across the street, because across the street from the General Motors plant was the Atlanta Federal Pen. Well, it turns out the FBI has had a record in their files for decades saying that a guard at the Atlanta Federal Pen was aware that three businessmen from Atlanta were meeting with inmates at the Atlanta Federal Pen offering a contract to kill Martin Luther King. This is an FBI Whoa. that Wexler and Hancock turned out. So, in other words, you know, it's literally across the street from this place, you know, because they're going to be looking at, hey, we need to get a criminal. Hey, here's the federal pin. But get this, uh, what they have dug up goes even farther. <coughs> Excuse me. Because what, what they also found out was that, that various racist groups, in particular around Atlanta, North Carolina, in southern Mississippi, had been trying to kill King since at least 1963 by offering a bounty. The problem was the Klan groups, even the powerful white knights of the, of the Ku Klux Klan in southern Mississippi, the most violent Klan group in the country who was involved with killing the three civil rights workers and all that kind of stuff, um, they didn't have the money that would be required because, you know, you don't pay the hitman directly. You go to a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, right. and all these people know if you, if you blab, you die, which is why they wanted an ex-con, because an ex-con would know they're not even safe in prison, right? And so uh, it turns out that, that the FBI has been, has been sitting on for decades tons of reports. I, I, I think at last count, at least seven or eight different reports from different people at different times about this bounty that was being offered. And when Ray, who was just a petty criminal who never, like, like killed anybody, uh, in his prison, uh, one of, of his fellow inmates who knew Ray, Ray well said, oh, yeah, we heard about that bounty there. In fact, James Earl Ray knew about that bounty. So between finding these FBI files, that this, that this bounty, you know, with this, and it was $100,000 by the time we get to Ray, but of course, he's not getting that, you know. And back money, then, 100 grand was like, you know, six, 700,000 now. Exactly. I mean, it was just exactly. a massive amount of money. 
but, but between getting those FBI files and then, and then tracking down people and relatives who were in there, they even tracked down the guy who had, who had been recently released from prison on parole in Atlanta, who took some of the money from Atlanta to Mar- Marcello's territory and, and the south of, of uh, and the lower half of, of Mississippi. So it's just amazing stuff. Now, for whatever reason, they didn't go into much detail at all on Carlos Marcello. You know, when you and I have written a lot about that, I took their information, and I have then turned up more information that, that, again, brings us back to Carlos Marcello, back to the mafia, back to the fact that James or Ray's family, going back to Ray's grandmother, you know, we think of grandmothers as grandmothers, right? James or Ray's grandmother was a mafia courier who carried money between, between the Missouri mafia and the Chicago mafia. You know, we lay this out in our book, Legacy of Secrecy, but basically... The mob killed Jack Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. It's the saddest thing in the world, but, but yeah, you're right. And, and, and when we get close to Bobby Kennedy's assassination anniversary, that tragic day in June, we'll talk. You know, the bounties were actually kind of similar. It goes beyond that. Sirhan Sirhan always wanted a white Mustang. That's what he felt like, even a guy short in stature like him and low of social status, because he was an aspiring jockey who couldn't quite hack it. Uh, He was a little guy, basically. But if he had a white Mustang, boy, he'd get the girls then, right? Uh, Well, in Los Angeles, at the same time as Sirhan Sirhan, and at the same time Sirhan Sirhan was was looking at self-hypnosis, was James O'Reilly looking at self-hypnosis to help him do something he'd never done. And James O'Reilly was driving a white Mustang when he killed Martin Luther King. Whoa. Whoa. This is like, this is amazing. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And our book about this, The Legacy of Secrecy, The Long Shadow of the JFK Assassination, Robert Kennedy, National Security, The Mafia, and the Assassination of Martin Luther King. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. One of our sponsors is the X Chair. And I got to tell you, they've got this new thing, Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support. They call it DVL. The X Chair's DVL is really designed to adjust for you. I mean, you know, the average chair, maybe it goes up and down, right? This thing really is totally customizable. Whether you're 5'2 and 110 pounds or 6'4 and 250, the X Chair actually will adapt itself to you. And now with the introduction of the X Basic model, there's an X-Chair for every body type and every budget. Take advantage of the X-Chair's new financing option, too. Pay as little as 30 bucks a month. So take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. And X-Chair is also on sale now for $100 off. So just go to X-ChairTom, T-H-O-M, X-ChairTom.com, X-ChairTom, or call 1-844-4X-Chair. comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. And if you use the code XWheels over at XChairTom.com now, you'll also receive a free set of the new XWheels with your chair. That's XChairTom, T-H-O-M, XChairTom.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Lamar Waldron is still with us. Lamar, tell us about this new law that uh, the Civil Rights Cold Case Records Collection Act of 2017. Sounds very boring, but uh, actually it might be a big deal. Tell us about this. It's a pretty big deal because, again, people don't realize two big things. One, most people don't realize that the, that the U.S. Congress actually did an extensive investigation on Martin Luther King, as well as JFK's assassinations, in the late 1970s and concluded in each case 
that a conspiracy was involved. Right. In JFK's case, they pointed the finger at Carlos Marcello and his associate in, in Tampa, Florida godfather, uh, Sandro Traficanti. In King's case, they, they concluded basically that Ray acted for money, but they, they didn't really you know, try to point fingers because they actually ran those two investigations very separately. They almost never crossed over except for one trip Ray made through New Orleans. So, but the pro, but, but so uh, we have a lot that the House Select Committee on Assassinations, that was the name of both committees, they had the JFK branch and the King branch. We, we have, they, they did a report, they did supporting volumes, and they, they also had their, their, their raw papers, their raw investigation stuff. We have the raw investigation stuff, 99.9% of it, for the JFK's assassination. For the King assassination, we have their re- report. We have the supporting volumes. But we have almost zero of their supporting, um, their actual files and investigations and their dead ends, whereas we have hundreds of thousands of that committee's JFK files. We have basically zero of their King files, but, but it's worse than that. The, the FBI is sitting on tons of files about Carlos Marcello and the two most important files about Joseph Miltier, that, that white racist. The very first report the FBI ever did on Miltier before JFK was killed, after he'd been picked up on that, that you know, from the informant and the, and the, and the wiretap, um, I even talked to the FBI agent who went down to Quitman, Georgia, way south Georgia, investigated him, drove that report back up to Atlanta, gave it to the, the Atlanta FBI office. It's never appeared. And the FBI, hmm. after King was killed, they investigated Stoner, all these big racists to see, well, where were these racists when King was killed, right? We have nothing that they ever looked into Miltier at all, even though they only closed their file on Miltier and JFK the year before. So... And, and then on Carlos Marcello, I turned up the file with the first published Legacy of Secrecy that says Marcello brokered a contract on, on killing King to, you know, at the, in, in 68, you know, for a bunch of white supremacists. Right. Um, the, it's unclear if, if FBI gave that record to the Congressional Committee. There's a lot of supporting material in that report that we don't have. Even the Atlanta FBI office's field office filed for the King assassination was, quote-unquote, damaged in a flood. So even though the HSCA, the House Select Committee, was shown that, we don't have that file today. There's just so much information that we don't have. So what, what, what did a bunch of high school students in New Jersey do? When, when they had history teachers that told them about this, they said, we need to change this. We need a law that will get these Martin Luther King assassination records released. And like something out of an old Frank Capra movie, they wrote the law, they lobbied Congress, and, and Trump just signed it just this past January. The Civil Rights Cold Case Records Collection Act of 2017 is now in the hands of Congress to appropriate Trump to appoint a special board and bar to cooperate with. Amazing. Here's what has to happen. Okay, so first off, the law got passed and, and was signed by Trump, and it, and it is modeled on the 1992 JFK Act that got four and a half million pages of files released. Now, that that act did not get all the files released, and, and you and I talk about those remaining files off and on. So, you know, that act was great, but it wasn't perfect. And, and I, I have an inside view, because as, as you know, and I've mentioned in the books, I was a confidential, 
confidential informant for the JFK Records Review Board in the 1990s because they could get records more easily than I could, right? right. So, um, so, so he, here are the steps that need to go to, and here's what your listeners can do. So number one, first off, everyone should call their members of Congress and say, you need to appropriate the money for this law you passed. So the law has been signed, it's in effect, but it needs an appropriation. That's step one. All right, the Civil Rights Records Act, we can right, call the it. Civil, yeah. The Civil Rights Records Act. Civil Rights, actually, the official name is the Civil Rights Cold Case Records Act. Right. Okay. That needs that needs to be appropriate, and every every listener has as you know a member of Congress and a and two senators. So everyone needs right. to push that. Next thing is Trump uh, has to appoint the uh, this uh, a review board of distinguished people that are supposed to be recommended by the American Bar Association, American Historical Association. You know, these are supposed to be like really distinguished. You know, non-political. Right. So, so let's get them out there and let's get this thing going. Right. Um, well, I, well but, but then, then the last thing is, is that is that the Justice Department. This is only for federal records. So it's all going to come back to the Justice Department, which puts it squarely in the hands of. William Barr. You've been talking about the way that the FBI was committing malpractice, basically, with regard to both the Kennedy and King assassinations, both the Kennedy assassinations. Uh, to what extent is that still going on, particularly as, as, it, as it relates to civil rights? So with, for example, the, the protesters in Ferguson or you know, other, other people protesting violations of, of civil rights around well, the country. I, I think, of course, it's still going on. A again, you know, the, the FBI is more diverse than it used to be, but they still have a lot of problems. I mean, James Comey, not only helped to get Trump elected, even though, of course, Putin did most of the work. But, you know, diversity in the FBI did not improve. That has to change. You know, most people in the FBI are great people, dedicated, hardworking. But you have like this, this old entrenched bureaucracy, like all those, those FBI people up in New York, who just aren't with the program. And they're about protecting secrets, not prosecuting. And, and, and I'll leave it at this. You know, there, there could be two people of those four who could still be prosecuted, I do not know if they're still alive or not. Of which four? Of the, of the four people who were collecting the money at the GM plant. Miltier got blown up in an accident in the early 70s. Hugh Spake is inside man at the plant, whom James O'Reilly called after King's assassination when he came back to Atlanta. Spake died not all that long ago, less than a mile from my house. But, but there was a dentist and an attorney who were kind of the big money men. And as far as we know, they were never even interviewed. Wow. So, I want to get into this whole issue of uh, William Barr, our attorney general, who was the attorney general in 1992 when he helped successfully cover up the Iran-Contra investigation, which was on the verge of taking down, I mean, as in taking down to federal prison, George Herbert Walker Bush. And uh, Lamar, what new information do we have about Barr specifically, and about earlier Republican attorneys general who have obstructed justice to help uh, or protect Republican presidents? There's actually a lot, but before we dive into that, I, I want to basically quickly focus on, on four things that are, are in the news today, but I don't see the mainstream media talking about them. And, and, and I'm sure you probably covered some of this uh, on your shows, but first off, it's just shocking, well, it's not shocking really, how much the mainstream media and even some liberal media are totally distorting what, um, what, what Mueller said as quoted by Barr in that horrible little brief summary. You know, it, it, you know, from all the headlines, you would think, you know, Trump, 
you know, was cleared of, of, of any kind of collusion with Russia. But it doesn't say that. It says the Trump campaign, and if you think about it, people like Roger Stone, by the summer before the election, they were not part of the campaign anymore. So the Senate says, you know, the Trump campaign, and then it specifically doesn't say no collusion with Russia. It says with the Russian government. Right. And, of course, we know how the Russian government acts like that. And, 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 of course, this is all part of what we're going to be talking about in this half hour. Barr's strategy is just like Trump, just like Bush Sr. It basically all comes from, from Dick Nixon and Joe McCarthy. This whole – it's not just delay, deny, um, and, and, but it's also delay, deny, and, and distract people. That is why – we're seeing the stuff about closing the border. That is why people are afraid about losing their Obamacare. That's a calculated strategy. In other words, if, if not for those two things, I, I, you know, Barr and Trump would both be under tremendous pressure to release most, if not all, of that report. So, but, but we're gonna, as we're going to see, those strategies are just, those go back, you know, many, many years. So, again, I just want to get those two points. I, I can't believe there's no progressive website that has a countdown clock to how long the uh, Mueller report is being held hostage. Oh, it's funny. Louise and I were talking about that last night. I, today, I believe, is the 13th or 14th day. And, um, I, was, and, and, that, and I was that, saying, that, we should put a countdown clock on our website. I, I, you should. Alternate should. Helping to put everybody should because what they're counting on is just like with Nixon and, and the way that you know Watergate happened six months later he's overwhelmingly reelected and it's years before we get rid of him is that you know with every day that goes past the average American citizen who does not listen to your show who does not watch Rachel Maddow who doesn't even watch any of the evening news broadcasts they're getting less and less concerned so you and I are right. getting so we need those countdown clocks and again we're only going to know. When, when we get most of the report, that you know, is, is Mueller another savior that disappoints us? Right, and this, and this, and this, by the way, and Kelly. This, this, by the way, this is why Donald Trump, you know, came out and said, "Well, we're going to shut the Mexican border," which which seized an entire day's news cycle. And exactly. now he's saying, uh, "Now we're going to give them a one-year warning," which means that one year from now he'll have another day that he can seize the news cycle. Well, and, and, and again, same thing with Obamacare. We're going to, you know, you know, he, he gives the order to Barr and the people. Yeah, we're, we're going to, yeah, we don't want to support Obamacare. And now it's like, oh yeah, well we'll deal with it. Yeah. So it's just right. that distraction. And, and, and let's go back to the guy where it all began, because you're going to be shocked at, at at least one name you're going to hear. If, if we start back with Richard Nixon, you're going to be shocked at how much that was still impacting Barr's obstruction of justice in the early 90s and even still today. So, so let, let's go back, because I mean, I'm sure there were Republican attorney generals before you know, 1960 that, that, that covered up for Republican presidents and vice presidents. But, but for our purposes today, let's start with 1960, when, when it, it's just well documented that, that the attorney general under the administration of Vice President Richard Nixon and President Eisenhower committed obstruction of justice on behalf of Richard Nixon, not to keep him from going to prison or being impeached, but to help him win his election against JFK. His name was William Rogers. What Nixon did, and you and I have talked about this, but we're going to get a new part momentarily. So in 1960, to win the election, since all the unions, almost, were supporting JFK, and JFK's father was one of America's richest men, Nixon needed money and some union support. And the only thing Eisenhower had let him have much to do with at all was foreign policy, especially Cuba, because 
I didn't want to touch that. So when Castro came to America, I, President Eisenhower wouldn't meet with him. Uh, Nixon did. You're listening to Tom Hartman. If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority. And frankly, we've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one own gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold So Nixon thought, well, if I can get rid of Castro, we've got to send U.S. troops into Cuba right before the election, that will look good for me. And so maybe I can get the CIA, order the CIA to use the mafia to, to kill um, Fidel Castro. And I can get the mafia doesn't want to see Jimmy Hoffa go to prison or even get prosecuted. So I'll, I'll, I'll get a million dollars from Carlos Marcello and Santo Traficante and Chicago Mafia. And that will be a bribe to me. And in return, I will get the attorney general to, to stall the federal charges on Hoffa, which had only been brought, by the way, because Senator John F. Kennedy and his chief counsel, Robert Kennedy, had exposed Hoffa's close ties with the mafia. Yeah, this is the Sun Valley land deal. Right, right, right. So, so anyway, so, so this was a combination bribe and assassination plot. William Rogers, I don't think he knew about the assassination plot. I don't even think he knew about the million-dollar bribe, but he was the guy. When Nixon said, I need you to stall charges on Hoffa, in other words, I need you, the attorney general, to obstruct justice to help me politically, Rogers was like, sure, I'll do that. And he did it. You know, and so uh, Nixon fully expected to win. And so after Nixon lost, because Castro wasn't killed, um, the plots continued, of course, uh, Rogers then hastily reinstated the charges. But here's the thing nobody knows. Here's what I didn't know. Guess who was Walsh's deputy attorney general? Guess who was... You mean Rogers' is deputy attorney general? Right, Rogers' yeah. deputy attorney general, his Rob Rosenstein was Lawrence Walsh. And Lawrence Walsh was the guy who was prosecuting uh, uh, Iran-Contra in 1992. 20 years later, Walsh would be the independent counsel now battling against William Rogers, former attorney general, who was the uh, first attorney for uh, Weinberger. Who, who was the key witness that they wanted to kind of flip. They wanted to prosecute Weinberger, the former defense secretary, to get him to flip, essentially, on formerly vice president, at that time, President Bush. So, right. in other words... That's amazing. You know, uh, um, uh, Mueller used to work for William Barr. Well, it's just, well, and, and so, the, so the thing is, so people are like, well, where did Barr, you know, how is it that they dredge up Barr after more than 20 years to, to now 
you know, infect the Mueller investigation. And again, I'm just saying that precedent was set with William Rogers back in starting in 1960. Right. But we should really look at a couple more attorney generals. Then we'll get, dig into a little more Barr. Sure. Because Barr's, Barr's uh, obstruction goes way before the early 90s. So Nixon, of course, many people forget. So he, so he lost that election. Uh, um, the 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 bribe did not come out. Even though Bobby Kennedy found out about the bribe in '62 when he was Attorney General, Robert Kennedy had something called integrity. So you know, even though Bobby Kennedy would have loved to have used that million dollar mafia bribe to keep Nixon from getting elected governor of California, he didn't because that would have been unethical, right? And so, um, but but Nixon gets elected. He commits treason to get elected. We, you and I in talked 68, about that before, yep. right? In '68, blowing up the Vietnam peace deal that LBJ had negotiated, right? And, and there there are indications that the the that the guy he made Attorney General John Mitchell at least knew about that if he wasn't part of it, right? And so his first and main Attorney General John Mitchell put put the treason aside. One of the first things Mitchell does when he becomes attorney general is to is to go to the Justice Department and get those files that Bobby Kennedy had had written about Nixon's Mafia Hoffa bribe from 1960. You know, because they want to deep six that for sure. But Mitchell is not just attorney general. Like Barr, Mitchell acts like he is Nixon's personal attorney, not Nixon's attorney general for the entire country. And it is Mitchell who gives overall approval to not just the Watergate burglars, but, I mean, there were many other political crimes teams that Nixon had. And so he does all that so much that he eventually becomes campaign manager. Right. And, and, of course, he's doing that while, while Bush Sr. is getting the townhouse bribe as part of all that. This is, this is by the way, this is the re, this, are we talking now the re-election of Nixon in 72? Well, we're talking, yeah, yeah. So he, he, um, um, uh, Mitchell went from a- attorney general to campaign manager early in 72, the 72 right. election there. But he was replaced by a guy named Richard Kleindienst. Most people do not realize that Richard Kleindienst, Nixon's second attorney general, was also convicted, this time not of Watergate charges, but of charges related to Godfather Santo Traficante, the same guy Nixon had used in those 1960 plots, and Traficante, two of Traficante's men, uh, Bernard Barker, and Frank Sturgis were on the Watergate burglary crew. So, so Nixon had two attorney generals. That brings us to Ford. Ford had an attorney general by the name of Edward Levi, who actually, like Robert Kennedy, had a lot of integrity. So who did Ford turn to for the cover-up? Of course, he had Dick Cheney and uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, he used them, but he mainly used Bush Sr., then became CIA director. Bush Sr. is a big part of the cover-up when Congress starts investigating the CIA mafia plots, because they have to hide Marcello's involvement, the bribe, all that kind of stuff. Working at the CIA then, as one of the general counsels, dealing with what files are we going to give to Congress, and what files are we going to cover up, that's where William Barr first started working with then-CIA director George Bush in the mid-1970s. Wow. And then, so, and then Barr goes on in 92 to cover up the 
the the whole Iran Contra thing. You know, Reagan's you know Reagan becoming president through treason and, well, and, 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 and you know and, disrupting and Central America because because it'll help us understand bar more. Of course, the Reagan Bush administration again commits treason to get elected, and, and people have written a lot about that, especially the Gary Sick book, the former Carter mm-hmm. official. But but of course. Um, but several years into the Reagan-Bush administration, there's a new attorney general who has a lot of trouble getting confirmed because he's so crooked and unethical, named Meese, Edwin Meese. Right. And Edwin Meese is involved with three scandals, not just Iran-Contra, but also the Bechtel-Iraq pipeline. Again, Iraq, Iraq just keeps grabbing up, right? And what's called the WedTech scandal. There was another independent counsel. So you had Lawrence Walsh as the independent counsel for Iran-Contra, but there was a different independent counsel looking into the Bechtel and WedTech scandals, and this is very relevant for today. The report that that independent counsel did has never, ever, ever ever been fully released like ever wow this is not iraq gate because right, that, no, this, that no, was this, that that was another one that uh, william sapphire was screaming about in 92 right, this, this was the this sale of the, weapons of mass destruction you know by uh, uh, president uh, bush the elder to saddam hussein and william sapphire in the new york times was calling him cover-up general william barr rather than attorney general because oh, he was covering up iraq gate too the sale of wmds a, 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 exactly so but but like i say that really starts with Meese, who's covering up iran contra bechtel and wedtech but here's what Meese did they were able the republicans were able to keep that report on on the wedtech and Bech, uh, the bechtel and, and wedtech scandals from ever being released, what that did, just like with Barr recently in Trump, it let Meese come out. Now, Meese was, they basically cut a deal and told Meese, look, we're going to release this report, and you can want to get prosecuted unless you resign. Meese resigned, but promptly went out and claimed he was completely exonerated, just like Bush. You're listening to Tom Hartman. We're talking about Bill Barr and uh, back in, in 92 and when Lawrence Walsh was the independent counsel and he was looking into the obstruction of justice by Bush and Reagan in the Iran-Contra affair. And I understand, Lamar, that he had some things to say about Attorney General William Barr. We should note that, and I didn't realize this, do you know what Barr's first role for President Bush was? Yeah, back in 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 the in the nineties. What it was, he actually helped Bush pick Dan Quayle as his running mate. Oh my God! In eighty eight. Right, right, and so so we actually go back to I, I guess even before Bush was president, when he was running for the presidency, when he was vice president, and and that to me is significant. So a lot of people knew about Iran Contra. There have been televised hearings, all this stuff. So Bush's stated excuse. You know, I, I think con- not in public, but I think confided to reporters who then report it was that, well, uh, Bush wanted to get the female vote, and since and since Dan Quayle was a young, uh, handsome guy, that would get him the female vote. You know, to to someone huh. like like Bush Senior, women are either mistresses, of which of course he had one, and, or they're you know mothers, and you know, there's no in between. Right. So. Um, but but Quayle was actually impeachment insurance. That that's that's what he basically was. You know, you can't give the government to this young greenhorn guy from I forget where Indiana. It was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he, he's just you know everybody said 
you know, the idea of Dan Quayle, who would make all these comments, I mean, he just, he was, he was a lightweight, right? Oh, back during those years, I used to subscribe to a newsletter. It came every week. It was printed on a Mimeo machine called the Quayle Report. <laughs> right. And oh, it was I all about, here's that. the stupid things that Dan, well, I used to share them with you, no, Lamar. I mean, <laughs> I remember. Just, we knew each I, other I, back I totally then. We were working on these books back then. And, and so, but, but again, see, that people don't realize, I didn't realize, that was all by design. In other words, Barr knew that, that Bush, even then, was was at risk, and so Barr then became the deputy for Attorney General uh, Dick Thornborough. Now Thornborough is not in the category of all these other people. I mean, he's he's done some some stuff that I certainly don't agree with, but you know he's committing out and out obstruction of justice. I, I haven't exactly found that, right. but but basically um, Bush wanted his. White House counsel, Seaboard and Gray, to become Attorney General. Seaboard and Gray was way too partisan to ever get confirmed. So basically they took Barr, who was Thornburr's assistant, who wasn't even known as that bright of a lawyer. He was more of an administrator. And so they made Dick Thornburr's assistant Attorney General. That was Barr. But now here's, here's, here's the problem. So the, the act had to be renewed every few years, the Independent Counsel Act. And basically, Barr helped Bush engineer, and members of Congress like Dole, uh, engineer a, a, a campaign to almost keep the act from being renewed, which would have ended Lawrence Walsh's um, uh, investigation yeah. prematurely. Yeah. And, and basically, Barr would go up to the Hill and testify that we don't need this. He would threaten, he would tell Walsh, look, and, unless you back off on some stuff, I'm going to tell Bush to veto the authorization. Wow. Uh, Walsh said, and these are, these are Walsh's own words, that, that Barr was simply outspokenly hostile toward their investigation in every way. And, and, and Barr took every opportunity to insult Walsh personally and the investigation, just like Donald Trump. Amazing. We're talking to Lamar Waldron, a political commentator, JFK historian, author, uh, Legacy of Secrecy to Long Shadow, the JFK assassination, Robert Kennedy, the Mafia and the assassination of MLK. You know, Louise and I just got back from Mexico, and uh, we took a week's vacation uh, with my brother and his family, but it was also a week that I could finish up writing this, this book on voting that I've been working on. And while we were there, uh, my brother-in-law, or my brother and sister-in-law rented a house that we all shared, and it, it, it had, you know, a, a Wi-Fi that was kind of public Wi-Fi. And, uh, you know, going to town, there's public Wi-Fi. At the airport, there's public Wi-Fi. Pretty much everywhere I was, I didn't know, you know, whether it was secure or not, but I was not concerned because Louise and I both use ExpressVPN. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my computer. I, she, Louise has it on her laptop. I have it on my laptop. Uh, she has it on her iPad. Uh, ExpressVPN, it's one click. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing. In fact, when we were in Mexico, uh, if it, you know, it, it would have looked to any website pretty much like we were in the United States because the ExpressVPN uh, apparently was just dropping our data and, you know, encrypted from where we were in Mexico right into the United States, you know, into a main pipeline and uh, completely safe, completely secure. Uh, with Ex ExpressVPN, I can surf any Wi-Fi without worrying about my personal data being stolen. And it's less than seven bucks a month. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same protection that Louise and I have. And ExpressVPN has been rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can protect your online activity now and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. 
That's EXPRESSVPN.com slash THOM for three months free with a one-year package. This is a product. I love endorsing this product. I actually use it. ExpressVPN is something you should have. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, to learn more. And thanks for supporting our program. Welcome back. So, Lamar, we were just talking about how back when Lawrence Walsh was the independent counsel, uh, William Barr was uh, literally trashing him in the media, testifying before Congress that they didn't need the independent counsel law, things like this. This guy has a long history. He helped pick Dan Quayle as George Bush's running mate as impeachment insurance. Uh, You know, nobody would go after him for a ran contract because then Quayle would become president. Is William Barr committing obstruction of justice himself in real time right in front of us? That's what I think, because it's clear to me, Lawrence Walsh, who I think because maybe he had suspicions about what happened back in 1960. And by the way, though I've never been able to confirm it, NPR once reported Lawrence Walsh's law firm helped to incorporate or did incorporate the um, uh, secret CIA airline whose plane got shot down that uncovered all of our contracts. Air America. I, actually, I think Southern Air Transport. Oh, okay. It was a sub, you know, yeah. same kind of thing. But, but so I, I think people thought Walsh would be easier on Bush and Reagan than he was. It turned out, again, Walsh had integrity. But from Walsh's description in his own book that I highly recommend to uh, folks called Firewall, uh, it's clear that, that Walsh is being extremely diplomatic when he doesn't use the term obstruction of justice, but based on everything that, that I read that he says. And, of course, that includes the pardons at the time. So wait a minute. Uh, Lawrence Walsh wrote a book about how, William, uh, about how Bill Barr was, was messing with his investigations? Well, basically, he wrote Firewall about the whole investigation, but you know the passages about William Barr are just amazing. And, and, and get this, at the time of the pardon, so, so Bush loses the 92 election to Clinton, and then there starts to be a lot of speculation about pardons, and again... This is another prediction for the future, uh, just like you know Trump's victory and, and that horrible massacre in, in, in Las Vegas with the, with the bump fire machine gun device, is um, there, was a, there was a careful publicity campaign coordinated with Barr and Congress and a lot of people through the news, Sunday talk shows, about the pardons. But at the time of the pardons, White House counsel Seaboard and Gray kind of took the, you know, the, you know, I'm the one who advised Bush that this would be right. fine. Now, these, these are the pardons in 92 that shut down the Iran-Contra investigation right. that Bush kept, did, that Barr kept, recommended. It kept Bush from being prosecuted. But Seaboard and Gray, when he called Walsh to tell him about the pardons, Seaboard and Gray, the White House counsel, did not even know who was being pardoned, aside from Weinberger. So wow. it's clear that all of that advice came from Barr. So when Barr wrote his 19-page letter to Trump, basically his job application for an attorney general, not Trump so much, but all the people around Trump who did have that deep political knowledge, they knew, look, Barr has kept an earlier president from getting impeached, from being prosecuted after he left office. And his letter basically said, look, you can't even investigate a president for obstruction. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think Barr, like Trump, is committing obstruction of justice in front of our eyes. And, and the fight for the next two years is going to be getting the full uncensored Mueller report, at least for members of Congress, if yeah. not for the general public. That's what the fight is going to be over straight through the next election. I think he'll be able to drag this out by taking it to the Supreme Court. They'll be able to drag it out until after the next election. Well, and of course, now they've stacked the Supreme Court with two conservatives who shouldn't be on it. Right. And, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a mess. 
Amazing. Lamar Waldron, your most recent book titles are? The Hidden History of BJFK Assassination. And for the bar stuff, you know, in a general sense, Watergate, The Hidden History. And also, Lamar and I wrote Legacy of Secrecy, The Long Shadow of the JFK Assassination, Bobby Kennedy and the Assassination of MLK. Thank you, Lamar. Thank you so much. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, uh, uh, Professor Hartman. Listen, I heard your conversation this morning. Uh, that was one of the most impressive interviews I've ever heard in my life. I know that it's the most impressive interview that has taken place on this historic day with respect to Dr. King's assassination. You know, I watch a lot of MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. Tom Hartman, I'm going to tell you right now, you're a badass, straight up. Thank you. You should be, you should be in public schools. You should be on TV. You, you need to be doing more, but I know you, they won't allow you to do stuff like that. No, we're doing and, well. Uh, we're, I'm having a good time right here, Morris. And we are reaching millions of people every, every single week. So, you know, step by step. But, yeah, Lamar's just an absolutely brilliant researcher. And our book, the book that he and I wrote together, and we spent, geez, a decade putting this thing together, uh, you know, uh, Legacy of Secrecy, which has over 100 pages just on the King assassination, and much of it is about Joseph Miltier and the stuff that we found and, and you know, why, how the FBI was essentially ignoring or covering it up and all this other stuff. It's are out you, there. I mean, you know. Are you familiar with the book called uh, The Execution of Martin Luther King by uh, uh, William uh, Pepper? I, oh, Dr. Pepper, yeah. Lamar and I knew yeah. Dr. Pepper. He's dead now. He's passed away. Amen. And everybody, now, in his book, you know, the James Earl Ray did not kill uh, Dr. King, and you would have think that would have been front-page news, but yeah. it wasn't. And there's another book called Special Operations and Their Impact on the Vietnam War by a guy named David Ratcliffe. When President Kennedy was assassinated, before before the president was assassinated, it was in the public newspapers halfway around the world with the same name and activity that we put in, this, in our newspapers over here. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Oh, it, it really is. And, 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 then, and then when you dig into how Republican attorneys general, with the singular exception since, since Nixon, basically, every Republican attorney general except Richard Thornburg um, has acted as, you know, a, a, as the chief cover-up officer for Republican presidents, because re literally every Republican president since Richard Nixon, including Richard Nixon, since, since Nixon first started this, I think Eisenhower was the only Republican president, uh, frankly, in my lifetime, who was not elected through fraud and, and treason, literal treason. And, 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 you know, Nixon started this process and, and his attorney general did, the, did a cover up on his treason. And then, and then Barr comes in and covers up treason for uh, Reagan and, and uh, Bush. And, and now Barr is back covering up uh, what may well be treason on the part of Trump. It's breathtaking, Morris. May the peace of the Lord be with you, Tom Hartman. Thank you. Nice Thank you, Morris. Nice to hear from you. And, and I appreciate all your kind words. John in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hey, John, thanks for listening to us on TuneIn. What's up? Hello, Tom. William Pepper's suit, which was brought by the King family in 1998 in Memphis, right. was completed with a jury verdict of guilty of Lloyd Jowers and others, including people in the government and in the mafia. And Gowers named the assassins. He was the police lieutenant in the Memphis police, and his name was Earl Clark. Okay. He was a lieutenant in, in the police. And it, there is just no doubt that 
James Earl Ray did not shoot Martin Luther King. Yeah, although he was involved in it. There, there were two guys. One was the shooter, one was the spotter. And all the information that, that you know, Lamar and I were digging through seemed to suggest that James Earl Ray was the spotter. Well, if you will read the William Pepper book, An Act of State, The Execution of Martin Luther King, right. you will find that there were a lot more people involved than that. Oh, yeah. They had, uh, they had uh, special forces teams that were involved. They had a shooter team nearby just in case the assassin failed to hit King. There were, there were a lot of people involved. And uh, there's a lot more involved in that than that than is obvious. And by the way, uh, Bush Sr., was involved in the assassination of Kennedy and was in a meeting the night before in which he hugged his uh, sweetheart, his mistress, Madeline Brown, and told her that after tomorrow we won't have to worry about John Kennedy anymore. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of stories about, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush and the Kennedy assassination. I've never been able to corroborate any of them. Um, it, well, you this, know. Was, this, was a, this was actually... Uh, given out in a deposition during Pepper's uh, issue, you know, during right. his um, conduction of the trial, conducting yeah. the trial, and it was under oath. Yeah. Madeline Brown herself testified to this. Right. And, and she was the... No, I, I, I get it. You know, we, we, we had some some fascinating conversations with Dr. Pepper. I remember the first time he called me, and I was like, I, this is Dr. Pepper, and I'm like, what? That's <laughs> a drink. <laughs> He's passed away now, but there were uh, just a number of people, a number of things there that he brought to the table that, that we could not nail down independently. But, you, you know, John, it's, it's a fascinating era in our history. Thanks a lot for the call. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. And let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report is brought to you by GhostForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Ellen Ratner's new book. On the line with us is the chief foreign correspondent for Talk Media News, Luke Vargas, joining us from New York. He also produces a two-minute podcast every day that you can find wherever you get your podcast. Luke, welcome back. Thank you. So uh, the Trump administration has blocked a deal uh, th this was nuts. I mean, you know, during the Clinton administration, there's like baseball is the national sport in Cuba, just like it is here in the United States. I'm guessing they play soccer, but they're really all about baseball. And there are world class yep. baseball players in, in Cuba. So Clinton said, well, we should let some of those people come in and play with Major League Baseball. Trump just said no. What the hell's going on? So you've had various deals through the years. I mean, the most common way that Cuban baseball players have come to the U.S. in recent decades has been through illegal entry or illegal exit from Cuba, at the very least. Uh, a, a number of Cuban stars in the MLB have defected when their teams go on international exhibition trips, you know, to Amsterdam and other places. You've had a lot of sort of pretty prominent Cuban players who are currently in the major leagues pay smugglers and other human traffickers to get them out of the country which is all very dangerous and expensive. Right. And so the idea, and this had started to sort of percolate under the Obama administration and was sort of agreed to late last year between Major League Baseball and the Cuban Baseball Federation, was that, you know, instead of having this very illegal, irregular means and dangerous means and costly means of, of leaving Cuba to come to, a major, to come to the United States, basically, let's formalize an arrangement. So what was worked out was that, you know, if there are Cuban players that were over 25 and had put in some time in the Cuban leagues, i.e., you know, they don't want Major League Baseball just getting all the young talent, but once someone's a star and they command a big salary, 
a major league baseball team can formally make a request to sign them, and Cuba's government will permit that to happen. And in exchange, the Baseball Federation in Cuba will get, I think, 20% of the first $25 million of a contract. So this is not a small slice, hmm. um, but the thinking here being, and, and you know, a number of Cuban players who are in the major leagues say, this is better than going through the dangerous. And, and Sure, this is uh, one of those everybody wins kind of compromises. So why did Trump block it? Right. Well, so the argument coming from the National Security Council and John Bolton in the last day or so is that this would basically institutionalize human trafficking. <laughs> uh, You're kidding! And, and, which is funny because it seems to take out the illegal aspect of this, too. And it actually allows these people to bring their families with them. And bear in mind, if you, you know, escape Cuba to come and play in the major leagues, oftentimes you, your family won't be able to leave the country either because Cuba enforces this block on on people leaving the country for the United States uh, for these reasons. And um, even if you are able to reunite with your family, they often have to use human traffickers to get to the United States. And, and so if the argument comes from the White House is, look, this is money. The Cuban Baseball Federation is not independent. It has ties to the Cuban military, and thus it's a violation of our embargo on Cuba. And I know this is sort of an edge case, but it is part of what I see of this pattern in the Trump administration where there is this, uh, you know, we don't want these certain outcomes, and so we block something. Well, I think the, the larger pattern here, Luke, is that yeah. they are basically catering to and sucking up to every right-wing crank group that has oh, a grievance that yeah. comes along so that they can add another half a percent to their electorate to finally win elections. I, you know, in my opinion, that's what's going on. By the way, yeah, Russia... I mean, the, Cuban, the Cuban vote loves this, right? I mean, and I, let me just say, oh, yeah. I, I did want to connect it to two things, which is one, that Mexico City policy on family planning, where the government said, look, we don't want to be, you know, giving money. We don't want abortions around the world. We hate abortions. So right. we're going to cut off funding from maternal health organizations. But by doing that, you actually increase abortions because there's just less family planning going on. Or with the border wall, you know, Trump and Ivanka, you know, the president and his daughter have been going to all these human trafficking and human slavery events saying, look, a border wall is great because it will stop illegal immigration unless that stops human trafficking. But then, of course, we've actually seen those numbers go up. You know, when you yeah. start to make people think the border is going to be closed, they go to more extreme lengths, or you close the legitimate pathways of immigration. So again, edge case, but I think part of a pattern where, you know, if, if, this is so disingenuous to say the concern here is about human trafficking, because the deal that now is going to go back is regular migration, illegal, expensive, dangerous. I, I, it's so silly. Meanwhile, Russia is expanding their footprint in the Arctic Circle today. What, what does this mean? Yeah, so Vladimir Putin gave a speech in St. Petersburg at a big Arctic forum. He said, look, uh, and this is irrefutable, the, you know, the ice cap uh, is melting. Uh, transit in the northern sea routes to take from Asia to Europe is increasing. He said it's going to uh, increase fourfold between now and 2025, and Russia wants to really control those waters uh, for economic and strategic military reasons. He said, look... Russia is the only country with a nuclear ice-breaking fleet, and he's right to be proud. The U.S. has been talking about this for a long time, but we haven't done anything. I would just say, you know, the U.S. talks a big game about this, and the Trump administration's defense officials have been saying, look, the U.S. is taking the Arctic seriously. I just want to look... Uh, the U.S. Special Representative for the Arctic, which is a position that President Obama staffed up and took very seriously, has been unfilled since the beginning of the Trump administration. So just another one of these vacancies in a really costly strategic area where we, you know, we don't have someone to address these things. It's hard to claim we're taking our geostrategic risks seriously. So Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Luke Vargas, Chief Foreign Correspondent for Talk Media News. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. Great talking with you. 
Amazing, amazing stuff going on in the world today. It's just extraordinary. You're listening to Tom Hartman. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.